Big Baz was just a baby when he came here. Now this brute keeps Phil on his toes. How do you determine when it's time to release a, a big wombat? Like, how do you know it's time for it to leave the sanctuary? Well, if I stick my hand in there and he takes it off, that's a good sign. Hello and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name's Paul. I'm not an animal expert. And today, I am joined by the returning guest host, my daughter, Bailey Chomo. You heard her on the Marine Turtles episode, and she is back today. Hello, Bailey. Hi, Dad. I'm Bailey, and I'm going to be talking with you today about wombats. Yes, and are you an animal expert? You're not. You you aren't, right? Oh, see, since the last time we talked, actually, it just so happens that I'm still not an animal expert. (laughs) I was worried that you took some night classes that I wasn't aware of for a minute. (laughs) I've been known to do that. (laughs) Yes. But first, the news. Australian tourism officials are begging people to stop taking selfies with wombats. So this is on Maria Island, which is off the coast of Australia. It used to be a prison colony. So people go there and they visit and the wombats just roam free there. And they're cute and round and cuddly looking and they have no real fear of humans. So what's the problem? Well, wombats can be bothered by the attention and they have been known to bite and scratch people who startle them or come too close to their young. The Tasmania Parks and Wildlife Service has come up with something called the Maria Island Pledge, and they urge visitors to take the pledge. Would you like to hear the pledge? Hit me. I take this pledge to respect and protect the furred and feathered residents of Maria. I will remember that you are wild and pledge to keep you this way. I promise I will respectfully enjoy the wonders of your beautiful island home, from the wharf to the painted cliffs to the rocky bluffs, haunted bays and mysteria of Marie's ruins. Wombats, when you trundle past me, I pledge I will not chase you with my selfie stick or get too close to your babies. I will not surround you or try to pick you up. I will make sure I don't leave rubbish or food from my morning tea. I pledge to let you stay wild. I vow to explore with a sense of responsibility, adventure, and kindness. I will leave your wild island as I found it and take home memories filled with beauty and my soul filled up with wonder. Isn't that nice? That is very nice. It's very poetic, actually. It is. Australia just abounds with opportunities to interact with wombats and other animals in zoos and parks where professionals can keep an eye on their welfare and where you uh, are not in danger from, you know, getting bit or eaten by something poisonous or dangerous because it's Australia. Right. I think it's interesting how, like, uh, you know, selfies are a good way to spread awareness about conservation efforts, but it's important to do that in a controlled, safe space and not just be bothering wild animals for the gram. Yeah, exactly. For the gram. Oh, boy. 
So yeah, be nice to animals. I think there's a lot of value in going places and doing things and just leaving your phone at home. Like when me and your mom go to the beach, a lot of times I'll just leave the phone here. Yeah. Like not everything needs a picture. Right. Yeah. Hey gang, it's Paul. Uh, just breaking in here. Since Bailey and I sat down to record this episode, Australia has had some severe wildfires. I'm sure you've heard about them. The estimates are that about a billion animals died in these wildfires, and many of these species were already in trouble, and it's devastating. So I want to tell you a, a news story and then a little announcement. So there was a news story that made the rounds that went viral that basically said that wombats were herding animals into their burrows to escape the wildfires. Perhaps you read that. Wombats are large animals, and their burrows are large to accommodate them, and it's not uncommon for other animals to find shelter in these burrows. So koalas and bunnies do find their way into these burrows from time to time. And while these wildfires were happening, a photograph of some brown butterflies in a damp little wombat burrow kind of made the rounds. But wombats are also very, very territorial, and they're very aggressive, and they will chase animals out of those burrows no matter what's happening around them. Uh, also, wombats have really bad eyesight, so even if they were feeling a little altruistic, they really wouldn't be able to see what they're doing. They're doing good to get themselves in their burrows. So Greenpeace Australia made that original claim on Instagram that wombats were engaging in this herding or shepherding behavior, and that blew up and that made the rounds, and since then they have retracted that statement. So if you've read that news article, uh, that is not true. I'm going to take this opportunity right now to do the little Patreon announcement. Thank you so much to those of you who give a dollar or two every month to Patreon. All the donations that we got for the month of January are going to WIRES. Now, WIRES is Australia's largest wildlife rescue organization. They are dedicated to the protection and preservation of all native animals even little right mice and, and rats and anything that's native to Australia, they protect them. And they also give uh, wildlife information and education to the whole country of Australia. We're going to start using our Patreon money more often to give to wildlife rescue and conservation efforts. And uh, we also have a lot of bonus content coming up for our supporters. So if you want to give us as little as a dollar a month, you can go to patreon.com slash varmints and you can get more information there. All right, now back to the show. All right. Well, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Varmints Podcast, all one word, or send us an email at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. You can also put varmints into the search engine at tpublic.com for all kinds of wonderful merch. If you like the show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to the podcast? We are everywhere that podcasts are found, and word of mouth is the very best way to help us grow. And now let's learn about wombats. Hey, let's go get educated on some animals. I know you want to. <laughs> So wombats are one of the three large terrestrial marsupial species in Australia, and the other two are koalas, which we talked about, and kangaroos, which we was like, I think that was episode one. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. That was way back when. Mm-hmm. Throwback. 
Yeah, it's a throwback episode. <laughs> Wombats are heavily built with large round bodies and short little legs. They have coarse fur, small eyes, small ears, and virtually no tail. They can grow to be about one meter or a little over three feet long and weigh between 25 to 40 kilograms or 55 to 80 pounds. So a round furry sack of flower. That's a bigger animal than I thought. Yeah, they don't look that big in pictures. They don't. But they are definitely up there. Yeah, they're, they're some chunky little things. Yeah. There are three species of wombat that inhabit the eastern and southeastern parts of Australia. The common wombat is appropriately named because it is the most common and listed as the least concerned by the IUCN. They can be found in New South Wales, Victoria, and Tasmania. The southern hairy-nosed wombat is listed as near-threatened by the IUCN, and they can be found in South Australia and a tiny little part of Queensland. Uh, There's a very small population there of northern hairy-nosed wombats, and it's estimated that there are about 200 of those left and with all the fire going on in Australia right now, we're recording in January of 2020, and literally the entire continent of Australia is on fire. So that's not good. No, not good for the wombats or no. any living thing in Australia right now. As far as I can tell, male and female wombats are just called male and female wombats. Their babies, like other marsupials, are called joeys, which is really cute. Yep. They are mostly solitary animals, but when there's a group of them, they are called, I love this, a wisdom of wombats. Aww. <laughs> Share your wisdom with me, wombats. Oh, oh, wise wombat. <laughs> <laughs> wombat comes from the Darug language, which is an Australian Aboriginal language. I could not find out what that word even means or why they call them wombats. So as far as I know, they saw a wombat and they just called it a wombat good enough for me they pointed at it and said wombat and and it stuck (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty, so i'm gonna talk about my personal favorite adaptation of the wombat and that is um i guess scientifically you would call it its rump or you know (laughs) yes in the layman's terms it's butt um (laughs) if you look at a wombat you know they got a they got a booty going on, and uh, very cute anatomical feature to be sure. But it actually serves a very important purpose in the wombat's life. Okay. As you said before, wombats are actually pretty big, and they're a burrowing creature. So their burrows need to be pretty large to accommodate the wombat itself, which means that smaller predators like foxes are actually able to enter in their dens. So enter the wombat butt. It's actually a dermal shield is how it is described by Alice Swinburne, who is a PhD candidate at the University of Queensland. Um, And she says, essentially, it's four fused backbones or plates covered in cartilage, fat, thick skin and fur. Oh, my. So their butt really is like a large shield on the back of their body. (laughs) Um, And it's used as, you you know, a shield would be defensively. So if a predator enters their lair or their burrow, they can 
turn themselves around and just have their butt face the predator and the predator can claw and scratch at their butt for as long as they want to and not really get anywhere um and then hopefully (laughs) the goal is that the predator will get frustrated and give up sure however if the predator is feeling especially tenacious and not willing to give up there is evidence that the wombat also uses its dermal shield for offensive uses too oh no i think i know where this is going (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) so if the predator is too persistent and gets on the wombat's nerves it can slam its butt against the roof or walls of its burrow and it can literally crush the skull of its enemy oh my god i thought you were gonna say it it just like farted in its face or something oh no oh no it's far worse whoa far worse yes it it can crush skulls with its butt So if you are visiting Australia and you see a wombat warren and you think you're going to uh, pop your head in for a peek at the wombat, you might want to think twice about doing that. Now, I, I thought it was interesting from what I read in the articles, I didn't see any evidence of anybody actually witnessing a wombat do this, but they're pretty sure that it happens because they have found the remains of foxes and other predators right outside the dens with their you know heads bashed in their so. heads caved in oh my goodness yeah that's uh that's enough evidence for me i don't i don't need to uh, investigate <laughs> that any further <laughs> oh man so i thought they like dug out like a perfectly butt-shaped hole to go into but apparently they leave a little room like a little wiggle room around so that they can do some skull crushing is yeah there's a what little it sounds like to me little skull space in that burrow <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> that is unbelievable yeah killer butt and the reason you wanted to do this podcast you were like i want to talk about wombats because i want to talk about their butts yes it's true <laughs> uh when i first learned that about wombats i was pretty psyched yeah you <laughs> It's probably one of nature's greatest adaptations. You might have approached me. I don't know if I approached you, but you might have approached me and said, we have to record an episode about wombats so I can talk about their butts. Yeah, I was pumped about the wombat butt. I still am. (laughs) I was pumped about the wombat butt. That's the the quote of the episode. (laughs) Uh, Put that on a t-shirt. That's right. (laughs) All right, well, you covered the most interesting adaptation about wombats, so I picked out just a few others to talk about. So even though wombats are marsupials and their closest relative is the koala, which we talked about a few episodes ago, they have a lot of the same adaptations as rodents, which is interesting. So oh. I'm just going to go over a couple of those. Like some rodents, the, like the prairie dog, wombats make burrows called warrens, as you said, with tunnels and sleeping chambers. The tunnels connecting the sleeping chambers can be up to 650 feet or 200 meters long, and a wombat may use several different burrows throughout the year. A female wombat with a joey in her pouch can dig a burrow. That's because the pouch faces toward the back of the wombat, so when the wombat is digging, it's not kicking dirt into the joey's face and and burying it. That's considerate. That's very considerate. (laughs) Thanks, nature. (laughs) Wombats are herbivores. They eat roots, grasses, scrub, herbs, and bark. 
And they need to do this because, like a rodent, their teeth are constantly growing and eating tough things like roots and bark. And they, they have to keep that growth in check. So the silica in those plants kind of keeps the, the teeth worn down. Hmm. And they get the majority of their water from this diet. So they can go years without drinking water. Oh, wow. Yeah. And as such, their bodies need to absorb every last little bit of water. So it takes about two weeks for a wombat to completely digest a meal. Talk about and backed up. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the most amazing thing. You remember how we talked about how little and chunky they were and round and heavy? Yeah. With their stubby little legs and little round bodies? Yeah. They can run up to 25 miles an hour for short bursts. No. That's nearly as fast as Usain Bolt, who is the fastest man in the world. Stop. That's terrifying. Oh my gosh. The more I learn about wombats, like, the more they become nightmare fuel. And I would have never guessed that looking at their <laughs> cute, fluffy little faces. They're so cute, though. How could they be dangerous? But they will outrun you and crush your skull. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> It's disclaimer time! The Varmint's podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence. But then again, we only have the yardstick of ourselves to go by, so we're going to do it anyway. Alright, so how, how smart do you think uh, a wombat is? Okay, remind me... Oh, sorry, I see it right there. Never mind. It's on yep, 1 to 10. On a scale of 1 to 10. Okay. Hmm. I think I'm going to go with a... I think I'm going to go with a 6. Okay. That's I'm good. i go with a solid 6. I generally give dogs and cats, like, domesticated pets, like, a right around a 6 or a 7. And and I think the wombat is, is pretty close because they play. That they're they're like they're playful creatures, and that's usually a measure of intelligence, right? Right. I was gonna say also they're they're clever. Um, yes. Like they have outsmarted at times scientists who were attempting to trap them <laughs> by uh, digging other exits to their burrows. Um, obviously, with the whole butt crashing thing, I think they have some capacity to like strategize. <laughs> So, yeah, I think they are, I think they're pretty smart. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. I think, uh, I think they're, it's, I mean, it would be nice to have a pet wombat. I think you could actually, like, train them and have them as a nice little pet if they weren't so terrifying, as you said. Yeah. i just <laughs> if, like to point out. Yes. Um, as a little fun fact, the article that you sent me about wombat intelligence Mm -hmm. um, the main star of this article is a wombat named Chewbacca, and <laughs> that just makes me really happy. <laughs> I agree. Nothing to do with intelligence. Nothing to do with intelligence, but it's, I mean, we, you know, your mom and I just watched uh, Return of the Jedi last night, mm -hmm. and we saw, like, that's the one with all the Ewoks. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mom was happy. Mom was so happy. She was like, I was like, do you want to watch Return of the Jedi? And she goes, is that the one with all the Ewoks in it? I said, yes. She's like, yep, let's watch it. 
She loves them. Ewoks and Yoshi are like mom's two favorite pub culture icons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So maybe I should bring home a wombat. There, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that'll go over real well. <laughs> All right, well, we are going to talk about wombats and pop culture and a couple other things, but we're going to do that right after this. Hi, this is Mouse. I'm Weens. And we are two sisters with the Mouse and Weens podcast. Nice and clear. <laughs> Come take a listen. It's fun. We talk about life, love, and pubic hair. Sick. <laughs> and all sorts of fun family memories and stuff. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> We're on all the platforms. And we hope you take a listen. Bye. Bye. Suck it. Well, this here's Animal Rancher and Expert at Large, Cotton Shorts. You know Paul and Don are just a couple of nerds like you, and they don't usually get to see animals in the wild. But so we'll talk about where they usually do get to see them, which is to say on popular culture, books, movies, television, and video games. All right, so there was not a tremendous amount of pop culture fodder for wombats. But I did find a very delightful little children's book called Diary of a Wombat. It was written by Jackie French, and it is a best-selling children's book in Australia. And the description of the book from the website is, Don't be fooled. This wombat leads a very busy and demanding life. She wrestles unknown creatures, runs her own digging business, and most difficult of all, trains her humans. She teaches them when she would like carrots, when she would like oats, and when she would like both at the same time. But these humans are slow learners. Find out how one wombat, between scratching, sleeping, and eating, manages to fit the difficult job of training humans into her busy schedule. I got to read this book last night, and it is delightful. So I want to play a clip for you of this book, uh, my favorite passage in the whole book. Sunday. Morning, slept. Afternoon, slept. Evening, slept. Night, offered carrots at the back door. Why would I want carrots when I feel like rolled oats? Demanded rolled oats instead. Humans failed to understand my simple request. Am constantly amazed how dumb humans can be. Chewed up one pair of boots, three cardboard boxes, eleven flower pots, and a garden chair till they got the message. Eight rolled oats. Scratched. Went to sleep. So that's a typical entry in the, uh, <laughs> in the, uh, the Wombat's Diary. Living I really enjoyed that. Living the dream. Living the dream. <laughs> it is such a good little book. That sounds really good. Yes. Now, your pop culture entry is kind of maybe not for kids. No. Uh, this is uh, bordering into the offensive territory here. <laughs> um, so the article calls it history's greatest Olympic mascot. Fatso the Fat Arsed Wombat. <laughs> um, and I don't think... From what I understood of this, it, it, he wasn't an official Olympic mascot. 
what it was was when the Olympics were in Sydney in 2000, there were a couple official mascots already created who the point of them is to be able to like make toys and make money off marketing these Olympic mascots. But there was a uh, two com- Australian comedians, John Doyle and Greg Pickhaver, who had a show called The Dream. Okay. Which was, they were actually, it was on one of Australia's major channels, Australia Channel 7. And they would provide nightly Olympics coverage and it would feature straight-faced nonsense commentary. (laughs) So it wouldn't be real commentary, but they'd be delivering it like it was. Okay. And in line with that, they made their own mascot, and that was Fatso. (laughs) And he... (laughs) He would uh, first appear animated in the show, (laughs) and then eventually they did make a plush of him, but... Australian athletes took Fatso to the medal podium with them, and that really angered Olympic officials, who then no. said, "Yes, did they really do that?" Yes, it oh, angered Australia. them. So they they sent a written request to the Dreams Network asking them to keep the wombat away from the medal <gasps> ceremonies. Oh my god! Um, and then that hit international news, and then they actually had to do a press conference about it with the International <laughs> Olympic Committee members who had to sit there stone face and denied that Fatso had been banned. <laughs> oh, that is um, great. Now, did they just, I wonder if they just called him Fatso or if they had to call him the whole thing. Fatso I, the fat arsed wombat. I hope they had to call him the whole thing and try to just maintain their composure <laughs> through it. But people loved him. Like, he just, like, I guess went kind of viral in Australia for the final episode of The Dream. Roy and HG staged a diving competition where they had plush dolls of the other three official mascots (laughs) and Fatso plummeting off the high dive platform. And of course, Fatso won the gold medal. Of course. But at the end of the day, only two plush dolls of Fatso were ever made. One was auctioned off for charity after the Olympics and the other one was kept by his creators. And he was never fully commercialized, but he did become semi-legitimate um, outside of the stadium in Australia where the Olympics were held. There was a statue erected of Fatso as an, a part of an official monument f- to the Olympic volunteers. But get this. Yes. Somebody stole the statue. Oh. <laughs> in 2010, somebody stole Fatso the fart, the fat arse wombat the fart arse wombat the fart arse wombat (laughs) and i just want to know like why why what are you doing with this you should put a picture of it in in the show notes because oh i will it is very ugly the picture of the statue like it's not cute they didn't do any justice to how a wombat looks in real life except for the butt that part looks uh pretty anatomically correct to me (laughs) yeah a big emphasis on the butt yeah as it should be as to why any of this happened i think the answer is australia (laughs) right 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just started off as uh, two guys making fun of the Olympics and uh, it turned into a whole thing. But I that just is like. Great. I just feel like I have a message for the person who has this statue and it's just like, what are you doing with it? <laughs> that person's my hero. I know. There's like, just somebody with a statue in their house of of Fatso the Fat Arsed Wombert. What wombat. kind of chaotic energy oh. are you putting off? <laughs> that is they probably have a secret room in their house where they keep the statue and only like their closest friends and relatives can like guess what I got? Come over yeah. here. Look yeah. what I have. You got to be really careful who you show that to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> so that's Fatso. <laughs> All right. Would you eat it in a box? Would you eat it with a fox? Would you eat the fox? Would you eat it? It just just doesn't seem like it'd be tasty. No. I feel like it would be really tough. Like, really, really tough. I mean, especially the rump part. Like, that's just... There's there's no... uh, There's nothing edible about that that part. No. Absolutely not. And wombats are a lot of... They're like a third butt. First of all, you'd have to fight the wombat, which probably wouldn't end well for you. (laughs) No. You'd have to catch it. Yeah. Yeah. They're too smart. You wouldn't be able to. Yeah. I'm on team no. I wouldn't eat wombat. I would not eat wombat either for several reasons, but yeah, it's just, yeah, no. Nope. Paul, Donna, it's me, Toph. Is your brain a repository of useless information like mine is? Of course it is. Let's help you win that next trivia night. Or just sound smarter than the rest of the room. With this... The Animal Fact of the Week. Well, Australia, as we mentioned, is on fire. All the am- animals there are are uh, not in good shape right now. And wombats are also susceptible to a disease called the sarcoptic mange. Oh, no. Yeah, it's really bad. So, do you know what sarcoptic mange is? Well, let me just tap into my Latin here to take... No. I don't. I don't know what that means. <laughs> so that's a skin infection in mammals. So you've you've heard of mange before, like a mangy dog. Yeah, Anisha had mange when we got her. Yes, exactly. Our little, our poor little puppy had mange for a while, <laughs> and that is caused by a burrowing parasitic mite, which is called Scarcoptes scabii. Good. Yeah, and you can get rid of it. You can cure it in dogs, and it actually affects more than 100 mammalian species worldwide. Wow. It can affect humans, too. No, really? Yes, you can get mange. (gasps) Ew. Yeah. When humans get it, it's called scabies. You've heard of that. Oh, yeah. I have heard of that. That's mange. Oh. That's human mange. (gasps) Wow. So it's thought that European settlers and their domestic animals were hosts to the mite. And when they came over to Australia and other parts of the world, that parasite was able to travel literally everywhere, all over the globe. Oh, wow. The Australian native mammals that are known to be really severely affected by mange are the ringtail possums, brown bandicoots, koalas, and, of course, the common wombat. 
Wombats are particularly susceptible to sarcoptic mange because their burrows are believed to have good conditions for the survival of the mites and the transfer of mites between wombats. Yep. Yep. So in cool, humid conditions in a wombat burrow, that enables the mites to survive for up to three weeks without any wombats around at all. So when a wombat travels through these burrows, it leaves the mites all over the walls and all over the floors and it kind of like, the wombats kind of like become uber for mites. <laughs> so when another wombat comes by, they'll pick up the mites and then they'll carry it to another burrow and on and on and on. And uh, that's how it gets spread. Unfortunately, mange will cause infection in an animal because they will, they'll lose their hair. It'll be very, very itchy and painful and they'll scratch it and they'll break the skin. And then uh, infection can get in that way. Uh you know, weight loss, open wounds, and then in very, very severe cases, death due to a combination of suppressed immune system and secondary infection in those open wounds. So it's really bad for them. Oh, that's a bad way to go. It really is. And there's no cure for it um, because there's just trillions of these mites. And it's just, you can't eradicate them at all. Individual animals can be treated and saved. And so that clip you heard at the beginning is from a documentary, and I'll put that link in the show notes. It's called The Wombat Whisperer. And it's about a woman in New South Wales who has a wombat sanctuary called Sleepy Burrows. And she takes in orphaned, sick, and injured wombats, and she tries to rehabilitate them. And she's a real character, and it's a really good documentary, and it's it's worth watching. Nice. All right. So we're not done with butt stuff, are we? <laughs> no, there's more. do tell Um, (laughs) not only are wombat butts great at crushing skulls um they also poop cubes yes (laughs) and uh you might think is that because their butt is a cube Um, that's what i thought little little square bee holes nope nope not true um like you have mentioned earlier it takes them up to two weeks to digest their food and right. they have very long digestive tracts, uh, which means that most of the nutrients and moisture are removed from their feces and it gets compacted. Um, and they think that probably like the first part of the large inten- intestine has ridges on it that shape the poo into cubes really early on. Okay. And then it gets so compact and hard that nothing in the rest of the tract changes that shape because by the time they're ready to you know pass through parts that are tube shaped they're already too hard and dry to be reformed into anything else ah okay so there they go they poop cubes and they actually use their poop to mark their territory and they can poop a lot in one day i think the article (laughs) said like 70 to 100 bricks a day of oh my goodness yep yet another reason for not wanting to have a pet wombat yeah, right? Are you prepared to deal with hundreds of poop cubes daily? <laughs> I'm not prepared to deal with one poop cube daily. <laughs> Are the cubes like rounded on the corners because that would like that would hurt. I I'm sure they have It's to not be like at- passing dice from like a Yahtzee game, right? <laughs> no, I I can't imagine they have like perfect right angles on them like <laughs> <laughs> But they are distinctly cube-shaped compared to other people's persons, animals, 
feces. Wow. Feces. <laughs> Such a funny word. <laughs> there is a, uh, a phrase that we can't include in the show um, that, you know, someone might describe themselves as being surprised. They might use this. And that's what wombats do in real life. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Go ahead and say it. I'll bleep it out. Nah, it's okay. <laughs> yes. Wow. That is amazing. Well, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me back. That was a lot of fun. Always a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. This show is brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo, bed music by Kevin McLeod, and our logo is created by the talented Imran Javed. Our vocal talent today was by Carrie McGinnis, Chris Brayton, Josh Hallmark, Chris Green, Jennifer Chomo, Stacey and Frosty, and Justine and Santiago. It's the Rugrat Corner. If you have a Rugrat eight years of age or younger that wants to be on the podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for details. We make it super easy for your Rugrat to hear their voice on the podcast. And this week we're going to hear from Charlotte. Charlotte has something to say about wombats. Hi, I'm Charlotte, and I'm going to talk about wombats. So, wombats live for 30 years, and wombats use their... Use, they dive into a tunnel and they use their rump to protect themselves. And they also kick out their legs to kick the predators away. Wombat babies live in their mother's pouch for six to seven months. And there was this one video of, they were talking about that there were these wombats that were like, they were in danger. And then there was this one really cute baby wombat that was, like, barely opening its eyes. It was so cute. And wombats are very shy animals sometimes. But on another video, there was this one wombat that was playing with its toy, like, wrestling with it. And there was this wombat watching TV, and it fell off the couch. <laughs> Yeah, they just keep falling over, and they're they're a bit clumsy, so. They need glasses. (laughs) That would be so cute to see a wombat in glasses. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you, Charlotte. Yes, a wombat in glasses sounds tremendously cute. And I didn't know they lived that long, so I didn't either. That got past us. That was like a bonus fact bumper. 30 years. There's wombats out there older than I am. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Hopefully. Thank you, Charlotte. Thanks, Charlotte. And Charlotte's mom is Jo, and she is one half of the Mouse and Weens podcast, which is really great. She's the the mouse half of Mouse and Weens. They are two sisters who live in California. One of them has a family that would be Mouse, and Weens is a single lady who works in the entertainment business, and they... They get together and they talk and they tell stories and and it's really, really funny and I, I enjoy it so much. Mouse and Weens, go check it out. Thanks everybody again for listening and until next time. Be nice to animals. <laughs> this has been a transmission of the Podfix Network. 
For more about this show and other great Podfix programs, go to podfixnetwork.com.